Cinnabuds receive support from Associated Bank and Eyes on the Lake, Eye Care and Eyewear. Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies, buddies talking about cinema. Hello, welcome. I am Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. From Radio Milwaukee, I'm Dory Zori. And this is Cinnabuds. And this week on Cinnabuds, we're obviously going to talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Well, in that case, what are we drinking? Same for the goddaughter. Dad told me you found something on a train during the war. A dial that could change the course of history. Why are you chasing the thing that drove your father crazy? The new Indiana Jones movie is out. You might have heard of him. He's a famous archaeologist. That's true. It's really boring. It's about a class, a classroom (laughs) where you learn about bones. (laughs) It's the Nazis are back, you guys. If you didn't like him fighting against the Russians in the last movie, everyone's favorite uh, villain, the Nazis, (laughs) are back big time in this one. And what a great time in history to remind everyone the Nazis are the bad guys. It's pretty unfortunate (laughs) that it's still relevant. Uh, But yeah, uh, Harrison Ford is back. He's in his 70s, still playing this action hero adventurer. Incredible. Yeah. Um, and this movie is set in 1969. Yeah. But it also has flashbacks to um, around the time the original movies were out. So I have to say, you had mentioned um, Harrison Ford's age. Yeah. I found a fun fact. He is the oldest actor to ever have AI make him look younger. Oh, in a movie. really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I, I know I heard, I saw somebody say, oh, yeah, oof. Oof, they said on the face de-aging thing. But I, in a dark theater, I actually thought, like, there's only a few moments where I was like, oh, I see it there. Yeah. I think the way they do it with the lighting and, again, watching it in the theater, it's like, it, you just kind of move past it. Like, you it's you accept it. And I'm okay with it in a context like this. Yeah. Like, to me, in a context like this, I think using AI for something like that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't think that it was anything Harrison Ford didn't realize what was happening. We could probably right, do right. a whole episode on yeah, how yeah, no people kidding. feel about AI. But back to Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I was there in the movie theater with my Indiana Jones hat on. Yeah. And uh, I was feeling like a kid again. Yeah. Oh, I have had the same. This movie was interesting because... I was like, I kind of let Crystal Skull go. I'm like, let's, I'll pretend that didn't happen. And this movie made me appreciate the entire series. It was almost, the movie's almost a celebration of the whole series and the character. Um, And it did it for me. I agree. This was a wonderful way to end this uh, series of movies. We will talk more about specifics, maybe a couple spoilers, uh, maybe not uh, in the full podcast. So uh, if you want to hear more about what we thought about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, well. Yeah, just stick around. We'll be right back. April showers bring May flowers, potholes, and flat tires. If you've been saving up for a rainy day, those days are here. If you're in need of a more reliable ride, donate your old one to Radio Milwaukee. Did you know? A single vehicle donation can be almost three times as valuable as a single cash donation. 
think of it as a financial super bloom for this public radio station. Learn more by going to RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars. All right, we're back talking about Indiana Jones and that darned Dial of Destiny. Oh, you know, the Crystal Skull, I don't even really, we don't have to talk about that, but it was definitely definitely a bummer. And I loved how um, (laughs) in the Crystal Skull, Shia LaBeouf played the son of Indy and um, Miriam. Yeah. And... I'm glad he wasn't back in this movie. No, they did. We won't. I guess we don't want to spoil it, but they did a great way of addressing that briefly. Right. In a way that actually made his character more interest, made Indy's character more interesting Mm -hmm. in this movie. So they did a great job of addressing it, but he wasn't present there. Um, And then they I. What do you do? You want to just talk about the the film overall first, and get yeah. into details later? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's what you want, right? Indiana yeah. Jones is back up to a shenanigans. He's getting ready to retire, but yet there's one last um, treasure to be found, yeah. and this is the big one. Yeah. So that action adventure, like you know, from the opening moment of that really intense train scene like if you love that kind of action from the first three movies yeah, you gotta have that back. opening big adventure action scene and they do a great job with that one yeah that looked pretty cool that looked good and this is like it's weird because this is so james mangold directed this the entire time i'm going in i'm thinking this was a steven spielberg movie again i it's, thought he yeah. was doing it the only one he didn't direct is that is that the case yeah, he was just the executive producer yes mm-hmm. now I, I know it depends on the movie. The producer, when you say someone's a producer or an executive <laughs> producer, it can mean a lot of things. It can mean I just gave you money. It could mean uh, we really are looking closely at this. And many times it could just mean I'm kind of also the second director on this. Mm. And the thing is, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this has all the Steven Spielberg marks on it. It looked like one of the older films. Do you think uh, it was because Stephen maybe had some influence or I feel like James Mangold is probably a true fan and wanted to kind of go back and like respect. Right. Like, why would you make a final movie in something that you love and make it look totally different? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to change it. It's kind of like anyone who helms a Marvel movie. It's not like they're putting up that distinctive a stamp on their style. It's like we know the beats we got to do. Mm-hmm. But it did. Yeah, it had the look, the angles and the mu- I mean, yes. obviously the music, but it was just all in a way that really harkened back to those first couple of movies that we all loved. And then I realized I was like looking back going, I don't know that like action adventure was a huge deal for me when I was a kid because I love, you know, Star Wars. I love Indiana Jones. I don't. Those weren't like benchmarks for me, Mm -hmm. really. However, this movie is what made me like all of a sudden like super appreciate the entire series because it's felt like such a nice cap on it. Yeah. So, yeah, I I really enjoyed this more than I thought. I liked action adventure movies. And now that you say that, I think it is because... Besides Star Wars, right? That was action and adventure, but it was still like sci-fi. This one, I think, was the first movie that I really remember falling in love with that genre. Yeah. Um, And it was around the same time, like, probably Romancing the Stone. So a lot of movies kind of like this came out around the same time as the first um, indie movies. But there was just something special. I think, you know, Indiana Jones, it's like he's... 
professor by day, but this adventure at night. But he's also like cheeky and he's handsome, yeah. but he also like isn't he gets knocked around a lot and he has a bad luck, a lot of bad luck. So he's not like a smooth James Bond yeah. type. Which I really appreciate. And so just to see all these classic indie moments coming back in this movie just made my heart happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I did and a lot of cheek clasping. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of great references in it to the character, like famously afraid of snakes oh, like, right. from the beginning. And then this in this one, there are eels, eels at in some the point. And someone said, you know, they look like snakes. And he goes, no, they don't. <laughs> and I thought that was the funniest response. And I was like... Real wink to the audience about like, hey, remember me? Remember? It was so good because as soon as they're like, what is that? And they said eels. I knew exactly because yeah. I am such a fan where they were going and I was just waiting for it. And that payoff of his reaction was perfect. Yeah. And now this movie also has like, I feel like a lot of the, I can't remember if all of them have it, but it's a action adventure, real people, historic time, mm-hmm. but there's always a drop of magic or maybe even sci-fi, but like a little magical moment. Like in the first one, I think it's the first one, when they open the uh, the Ark, the the ark and all of the spirits come mm-hmm. out. You know, there's always that moment and they have something. Well, that's I'm, what would really happen. I think that's what the Ark's meant to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, that, there's a little bit of that element in this mm-hmm. too, which was they used to, again, really cap off the whole series in an interesting way. And I think audiences, from what I understand, are responding differently to it. It's kind of mixed bag on how they feel about it. I loved it. I'm not mad at it. No. Because you're right. If you aren't into all the magical mystical stuff of the previous movies like why wouldn't why would you be bumping on what happens in this movie and with so many other movies going on right now about um, you know being able to figure out how to time travel and multiverses like this just kind of felt right and I I wasn't mad at it no and um, it also makes sense for his character like knowing his love of history and where he is at in his life and the other arcs that are happening in the film, I thought it was an incredibly intelligent and fun way. Again, I'm saying all this mysteriously, so I don't want to give it away. But a really fun way to encapsulate his character at that time. Yeah, they are on in search of a historic relic, a dial built by Archimedes. Um, that is not giving anything away, but yeah. uh, this whole story is based on actual real fragments that were found um, in a sunken ship in 1900 oh. that were dated to be like 2,000 years old. So oh, um, is the dial built by Archimedes a real thing? Was the Golden uh, Grail a real thing? Yeah. Like, I think that part is like just enough like history, but like mystery too, where you could then write whatever. Yeah, it's funny because the you powers of these things anchor are. it in reality. Then everyone's like, "Oh, maybe I'm going to be an Indiana Jones." <laughs> Harrison Ford prepped for this movie by riding 40 miles a day on a bicycle. He looked great. He did, man. Hollywood stars have such a good opportunity to just preserve the heck out of themselves. He is. Do you know how great we would look? <laughs> I know. If you, if all I had to do every day was ride a bike and then I could just go into a mansion. <laughs> uh, other fun things, if you enjoy, this could be a standalone movie, of course, but it was more exciting with all the little cameos yeah. from um, characters, some of your beloved characters. Oh, I really liked seeing John Reese davies uh, mm. came back. And uh, they're both like, you know, in the same age range and they've come up through these movies. That was a delightful little 
bit. You got to have your Bodhisattva back, right? Yeah. Um, Karen Allen has talked to her character. Miriam's talked about a lot. Yeah. Does she come back? Who knows? Who knows? Um, and then Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah. She, she's great. She's, she's really not good. an action star, but I don't think you should have had an action star. No, it was nice. In this movie. Uh, you might know her, um, Cinebuds people from Fleabag. Yeah. She's yeah. the writer and the main actress in Absolutely. Fleabag. No, she's great, and she plays a, like a great character. She's the goddaughter mm-hmm. of Indiana Jones, and so they kind of have to team up. And you have Antonio Banderas in there, who oh, what a great is an interestingly small part, like, yeah. but he plays a really charismatic ship owner. Toby Jones is great. I mean, there's a ton of really good, and then of course Mads Mikkelsen. He's such a good villain. He's a good villain, yeah. Jurgen Voller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, though, like, so the movie started out with um, a flashback from like 19, the 1940s, right, right at the end when Hitler was losing yeah. the war. And so, but um, Mads's face really didn't change much. No, it did look like maybe they did some like touch ups to his bit. face a bit, but it was probably unnecessary. These gentlemen he, yeah. are looking good. <laughs> Um, I can't talk about Mads Mikkelsen without always suggesting this movie uh, that he was in because we always see him as either a villain or just this very intense figure. And if you can believe it, he was in a movie uh, where he was essentially like a Kramer from a Seinfeld type character. Imagine him doing very physical, big expression like cannot picture it. But there's a film we showed in the film festival years ago called Men and Chicken. (laughs) <laughs> and it's uh, it's like from the ne- somewhere it's a Scandinavian film. It is so funny. It's so strange and funny. He has this big hairdo. I mean, genuinely, I can only equate him to Kramer. And it it is laugh out loud hilarious. It's just such a curveball when you think about him. So I always anyone who is a fan of his, please check that movie out. Thank you. I did yeah. not know that, and I will check it out because I think he's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, he's got range. Oh, gosh. Um, what else? I mean, you kind of nailed it earlier. The sh- like shot for shot from some of the movies was yeah. done. There was a lot of cheering and squealing in the in my seat oh, yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. So it really and even like up to the final words of dialogue, I knew exactly what they were going to say. Yeah, and yeah. I was like doing it in my seat. My sister and my hubs were <laughs> laughing at me. Um, when I started crying at the end, but oh, yeah. uh, it just it feels good. Go, especially if you saw these movies in a theater when you're little. Go see it in a theater. Yeah, please do. It's so interesting that because I was looking at like the response, and it's got mi- real mixed reviews from people. I find, and I am I was I didn't realize it until after I'd seen the movie and I looked. I was looking around, and I don't totally get it. Like especially after <laughs> Crystal Skull, not to keep harping on that one. <laughs> And there's such a beloved character. I feel like this movie did everything it should have done. Like you have such high expectations. This is like what fifth fifth of the series. Mm-hmm. That's hard to make that decent. Like yeah. that's you know it's always a watered down kind of vibe as you go on these series. But I really thought as a cap on, and they knew knowing it's the last one. I don't know how you do that better. I don't Truly. know how you do that better for this character. I thought they really. Nailed it. So I'm actually kind of surprised by the mixed. Re- I'm I'm surprised this isn't like yeah they yeah. did it. And we're armchair critics, so you know our opinions are important. They're important. 
I mean, I approach these just mostly as a fan of movies. And so, I mean, I think you guys get the vibe of where we're coming from. And, you know, I'd be curious to know, like, how you guys feel about this movie. Or if you can think of a fifth movie in a series. No kidding. That did it better or just as good, minus maybe a Harry Potter Whatever the fifth movie was in oh, that sure. series, I can't think. You probably would know if you thought about it. Uh, yeah, if I thought about it. If you go look at your bookshelf. If I Googled it, I would know right away. Usual it. Um, do you know why there was five movies in the series? No, you do, I bet. I do, because <laughs> I believe Steven Spielberg signed on to direct five films oh. in the beginning. And I'm guessing if he signed on to direct five, that there was probably something like five that Harrison Ford also agreed to be a part of. So uh, kudos to the visionaries in the beginning because, or maybe not, I don't know. They could have stopped after three. Again, four... You know, yeah, that, four. We're just gonna call four now. You know what? Also, Should we just I, refer to it yeah, as call four? it at four. <laughs> That's how we do for a lot of things we don't like. We just use the number. Um, also, I can imagine them saying we can't stop after like Crystal Skull. We can't make that the last one. Also, I love that Harrison Ford is going around and talking so much about how they really did it because the fans, for the fans, and mm-hmm. how much they wanted it. And again, I feel like their subtext is like we can't leave it where it where it's where it's left right now. Yeah. But also, at some point, you have a contract when you're whatever twenty eight or something. But now you're Steven Spielberg. You can get out of that contract. Right. Like you, there's no way they're hold. You can't hold Steven Spielberg to that contract when he's where he's at right now. True. Uh, so I genuinely believe they did it for the love of the series and the character. I think so too, because there was some talk right after that 2008 film um, number four came yeah. out, <laughs> and I think Harrison Ford was quoted somewhere saying, "If we can do this, it has to be within the next 20 years," and they yeah. managed to do it in 15. So, um, you know, shout out and much love to all the writers and the actors and everyone that are really hurting right now in Hollywood. But yeah. if they didn't do that before the strike, that we wouldn't have had a Harrison yeah, Ford in it. True. So that's I true. am thankful that the timing worked out. I know for sure. But yeah, you know what? I suggest if you like this character and you're hesitant, I say don't be. I say go enjoy it and see how they how they wrap it up. Yeah. And then treat yourself to like a snack every time you see an Easter egg. There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, You're going to need right. a lot of snacks. That's right. Any excuse to have too many snacks. <laughs> Any excuse to have movie theater candy <laughs> yeah. is really where I'm going with this. Um, Before we get into what we're watching, yeah. I had one more fun fact for you. Oh, good. So I had mentioned Harrison Ford was the oldest actor to have um, his likeness um, youngified. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know who the second in line was uh, wh- in a movie recently? Joe Pesci? Oh, no. Okay. That was just my guess. Um, It was Al Pacino. He was <laughs> 79 when he had, um, when he did The Irishman and they did a younger version of him. I f- assumed it was The Irishman because there's so much chatter about the de-aging in that. So I just picked somebody from that movie. Oh, is de-aging what it's actually really called? Not youngifying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, both sound like it's just someone going, let's call it de-aging. Or... Let's start my own dictionary yeah. so people know what I'm talking about. I didn't know they used AI for that, though. That that's you just said that and I was like oh I didn't know I thought it was just like a makeup well no I knew it was 
digital, mm. but AI being oh, a separate thing. I wasn't different. sure if that was so if they're using AI for Indiana. Yeah. Well, Interesting. Harrison Ford said they obviously had so four movies that they could go through. And then also everything that didn't make it into the movie on the cutting room floor they went through. So that's how they were able to get so many different angles and shadows and stuff right on his face by just oh. putting all of that footage in the oh, big old AI machine. This is obviously too big for uh, this episode, but just real quick, AI, does it scare you more or are you more excited about it? I mean, I, this is a bigger conversation. (laughs) It depends. I think, you know, we were talking about this last night after the movie, your phone is full of AI, right? So I think it depends. You have to be very specific on what you're talking about with AI. In this case, I think, I think it's okay yeah. It's. I mean, Harrison Ford still got the job acting in this movie. Yeah. They didn't cut him out of it because sure. they had so much footage. Yeah, so, yeah. but I think where AI goes wrong is, you know, in the art world and music and writing. Like, yeah. there should never be AI replacing writers. Yeah. But or any sort of creative. No. Like it's. Yeah, it's interesting. I am very, and I know this is ridiculous, but I am very much influenced by every sci-fi movie I've ever seen where it has AI in it. Mm-hmm. And now that I start seeing it being like a genuine thing and I've used it like, help me plan a trip. I mm-hmm. did that and it was like, oh, that's kind of helpful. Or recommend, you know, whatever. But um, every time I do it, I'm like, what am I just encouraging the eventual You're feeding destruction? The yeah. <laughs> so uh, doom and gloom of AI aside, because yes. all those sci-fi movies are just so much Closer Very convincing. To reality. Very convincing. <laughs> what else have you been watching? What have I been watching? I've been watching a lot of screeners because we're trying to pick out some member screenings in the future. And um, not without saying, I don't know if any of these are going to be uh, ones in the future, but I saw this really, really funny movie, uh, which I believe is from uh, Argentina. Mm-hmm. I think it came out of Argentina. And it's called Chronicles of a Wandering Saint. It is a very funny, very arty movie about a woman who's very competitive in her small town, very religious, and she tries to fake a miracle uh, when she finds this missing Mary statue. And she's like, I'm going to make it seem, essentially she's going to make it seem like it appeared and there's Mm -hmm. flowers and everything. She's so excited and she has an accident on her way to doing it and dies. And so the rest of the movie is the whole process of going to heaven. And it's very funny. First of all, right in the middle of the movie, when she crashes in the pond, the credits roll. (laughs) And I was like, and I was so confused for a solid 30 seconds. I was like, this has only been like 45 minutes. And then I realized it was just a gap. Like after the credits fully went, then they pan over and you see her and she's like a ghost. Clever. (laughs) It's very clever and funny. And it's, um, filmed really well so I'm hoping we get a chance to show that because I I found it really charming can I'm sorry can you tell me the name of it again yeah Chronicles of a Wandering Saint wonderful yeah so there's this great scene where her neighbor kid who she's always thought was just a neighbor he's also a part-time angel he comes in and he has this big notebook and explains how the process of going to heaven works it's very like bureaucratic it's very funny 
Love it. All yeah. right. I hope you bring it so I can see it because yes. I am a proud Milwaukee film member. Heck yeah. Um, I've been spending time watching the new season of everyone's favorite Staten Island Vampires. <laughs> what we do in the shadows. Oh, I forgot there's a new season. The new season is back. They're oh, only dropping a couple episodes at a time. Yeah. So, um, yep. All your favorites are back. Um, the first couple episodes, like, if you follow it and watch it, Guillermo is maybe or maybe not a vampire now. Oh, I did see the preview where that that plot line mm-hmm. comes in. Oh, that's great. So he's going through some stuff, and it's just, you know, lots of shenanigans. I'm so glad you brought that up because I keep forgetting I need to, one, I need to catch up. I don't even think I've seen them all yet. And now that I know there's a new season, I'm definitely on top of it. I want to do one more. Is that okay? Yeah. Because I, I just forgot. The thing I've been most excited about, I've watched this whole week, and sadly only six episodes, is there's this uh, podcast called Smartless. Oh, yeah. Do you know about this? Oh, yeah. So you watch the live show? I watch the live. They have it on uh, Max. They have a mini series of them doing their live show. It's Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. They have a podcast where they bring on a celebrity to talk to them, but they oh, they have such an amazing chemistry with each other. It's just like watching three friends who all happen to be hysterical just constantly rib each other and like riff off of each other too. But have you watched this series? I watched it all. Oh, me too. I just finished the last one this morning. Oh, wonderful. It is one of the funniest things I've seen in years. It's so funny and charming and like sweet. It's just sweet. Even when they're insulting each other, you know it's from like pure friendship. Right. And you see, like you get that from the podcast, but you see it too, which I think is really neat. Like, you know, you... Will Arnett might be one of the most quick and clever no people kidding, I've yeah, ever no met. Kidding, yeah. But like Jason, you see where everyone kind of has their roles. Like Jason Bateman very dryly says the dumbest things, <laughs> yeah. lobbing it up for yeah. like Will to knock it down and for Jack. Like you just see, yes, they have a real friendship, yeah. but they also play roles in the in yeah. their daily bits of how they interact. And oh, I find yeah. it to be super lovely. And I thought see. And just before I dug in, I'm like, well, Sean Hayes, he's probably just like the, he's almost like the sidekick. Like he's going to laugh at everything, but that was totally wrong. Like he, you, I mean, you can't, it's hard to get a word in edgewise between Will Arnett and Jason Bateman. Yes. But when Sean Hayes says stuff, it's like a, it's so, he like knows when to come in and he's real funny. Oh man, it's just perfect. It's really good. I feel like if we all have at least one of those friends in our groups where you feel like you have that timing with them yeah. to joke around or just be silly, like that's a gift. Yeah. And they feature Madison, Wisconsin. They yeah. one of their, It's like such the off kilter spot. It's like Chicago, L.A., New York. Madison, Wisconsin. So happy about that. I wanted to be at that show. The scene where they're um, before their show where they're out dancing on the frozen lake is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, that is really good. Their dancing in general is brilliant. Oh, right. And their attempts at the Wisconsin accent. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say about the um, show is Jason, if you listen to the podcast, they're always talking about Jason (laughs) eating a big salad and being healthy and worried about being puffy and sodium. (laughs) And he starts out the road trip like that. And at the end, he is eating just as much junk (laughs) as everyone else. So it's cake shakes, cake shakes, which sounds delicious. Mm. Cinnabuds sponsored by cake shakes. (laughs) That's right. Please. That's how it would sound. Cake shake people. (laughs) If you want to give us some money. And uh, listen, I'll do more. I'll I'll say more about it once I have a few free ones.
that wraps up another Cinnabuds, Indiana Jones, and the Dial of Destiny. Thank you to our podcast producer, Kim Shine. Thank you, Kim Shine. <laughs> oh, yes. And as I get played on, we want to also thank Newski for doing our wonderful, what is it called? Our intro music. And we also want to thank our members, both from Radio Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film. We would not want to do this without you, nor could we. And finally, our wonderful sponsors. We have Associated Bank. Thank you so much. And Eyes on the Lake. I care and I wear. Where I have to. I am literally on my way to go get glasses right now. Thank you all so much. And thank you. A big thank you to Dory on the mouth trumpet. Go see a movie. That was lovely. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.